Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, July 13th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. I just realized it's Thursday the 13th. That's the issue. No, that's not the reason that we've started this podcast five times already. (laughs) Thursday the 13th, it's it's the new black. Yeah, exactly. Either that or the fact that it's like literally raining cats and dogs where you are. Not literally. That's that's the that's the Patty Muren version of literally. But yeah, so if you hear any things that sound like frogs being thrown against the window, that's just the torrential downpour on Long Island while we're recording. So, um, yes. Uh, you know why all of this is happening? I, I, I don't. Tell me why. Because Uma Effin Thurman is going to make her <laughs> Broadway debut this fall. It's, it's the bride's revenge. Yes, yesterday we learned that Uma Thurman will make her Broadway debut this fall in the new play The Parisian Woman by Bo Willimon. Bo is the creator of the U.S. version of House of Cards. It was originally in a U.K. series before it was brought over to Netflix. The dark comedy is set in Washington, D.C., and even though it was originally developed and commissioned by the Flea Theater in New York about four or five years ago, uh, it has been updated to take place following the 2016 election, which should give it a little bit of different context. While no theater is yet set for the Broadway run, the show is scheduled to have an opening night on November 30th. Uh, Even though Uma is obviously known uh, for her film work and obviously as one of the stars of Smash, she does have a New York theater background. She starred in the uh, Classic Stage Company's production of The Misanthrope back in 1999 opposite the late, great Roger Reese. So she is coming back, uh, in a a way, to New York theater. This production of The Parisian Woman is also going to be directed by another one of the greats, a Tony nominee, Pam McKinnon, who was nominated for Clybourne Park and who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Um, Not a lot of other information out there now about creative team or casting but james whenever they find a theater for this one i think it should be pretty cool as everybody remembers roger freeman over at uh showbiz 411 (laughs) i hate you (laughs) back uh april 19th uh talked about uma coming to broadway and uh many people poo-pooed it but we never did we always had faith in roger you didn't remember that that story exists until you sit until you asked why we hadn't heard about this in one of our last recordings. That was like version two. This is like version mm-hmm. nine, you know? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yes, but this is something that Roger Freeman over at Showbiz 411 talked about in April. Um, we actually discussed it on the show on the same day that we found out that Kevin Spacey was going to be the host of the Tonys. Um, so this is one that has been in the works for a while. And it's interesting. Um, uh, Bo Willimon also wrote the play Farragut North, which became the movie I of March, which was loosely based on Howard Dean's presidential campaign. So between that, House of Cards, and now Parisian Women, which is set in Washington, D.C. following the election, he obviously knows how to write about the American political system. Um, And I think following the 2016 election, a political play that is full of dark humor seems to be uh, just probably about right for now, right now. All right. So we have some exciting replacements headed back to Broadway. We do. Yesterday in two, obviously, separate announcements. 
we learned that two of Broadway's biggest shows would be welcoming new stars this month. Up first, Tony nominee and recent tour Hedwig Ewan Morton will join the Broadway company of Hamilton on July 28th as King George III, the 6th or 7th. I can't remember. I can't keep up with how many King Georges we have. Um, obviously, Ewan was a Tony nominee for creating the role of Boy George in the musical Taboo in both London and New York. He's also done a ton of theater around the country, including uh, Sondheim on Sondheim, Cyrano de Bergiac on Broadway, as well as a number of public theater, Shakespeare in the Park performances as well. He will join the, the show on the 28th following the first King George, Brian Darcy James, who will be playing his final performance in Hamilton on July 16th, later this week on Saturday. Um, so if you want to see him, make sure that you get a chance to go buy a ticket to go see King George, to see uh, King George the third, the first. Who am I kidding? You can't get a ticket. So um, I'm sure maybe at some point Brian Darcy James will be back. But you and Martin will take over later this month. Also coming to a show that um, it has pretty good grosses uh, uh, like Hamilton does will be Jackie Burns, who is coming back to Oz in Wicked, having last played Elphaba on Broadway in 2013. She's actually going to be leading an entirely new principal cast that is joining the show at the Gershwin Theater on Monday, July 31st. She will be joined by her Glinda, Amanda Jane Cooper, who I actually saw on tour with Jessica Vosk. She will also be joined um, by uh, Ashley Parker Angel, who people of my generation might remember as one of the members of the MTV created boy band O-Town. Um, and then Kristen Martin, who is playing Nessa Rose on tour, will be joining the Broadway production as well. James Jackie Burns obviously is known for not only her run as Elphaba, but also as Adina Menzel's uh, standby and then eventual replacement. And if then both on Broadway and in, on the tour, she is I, I follow her on Instagram. She's really, really funny and just has an unbelievable voice. So this sounds like this will be a really cool new cast. Um, and it's interesting. I, I it, Wicked does this quite a bit where they re, uh, you know, kind of do it more like the the West End way where they replace almost an entire, entire principal cast all at once rather than just kind of piecemealing it here and there. So I, I'm, I'm very interested about that. But um Jackie Burns is great. So if you haven't seen her in Wicked, get your ticket. Uh, no end date for her run is announced. So hopefully she'll be there for a nice long while. Um, so you and Morton, um, Michael Portantier just got back last week from Washington, D.C., where he saw mm -hmm. Ewan as Hedvig. And uh, he talked about on last week's This Week on Broadway um, about he said that Ewan was the best vocal uh, Hedvig that he had seen. Uh, he said, he and I think Michael had seen all of them, including the uh, oh. the much admired Ali Sheedy performance. Um, oh. oh wow! <laughs> and uh, he said Ewan was in great voice, and that uh, I'm excited uh, about this. I who knows if we're ever going to be able to get back into nope. uh, <laughs> get back into Hamilton to ever see it again. But um, good for him. And good for all the audiences that come to see it. So, have you uh, upped your subscription to PBS uh, this season? Because uh, I was thinking about dropping HBO and picking up PBS, but... Uh, that's, that's not how it works, James. not how it works? PBS is not a subscription service, but it kind of feels like it if you're a Broadway fan. Because yesterday, PB announced, PB, <laughs> PBS announced PB&J, I almost said. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty interesting if a peanut butter sandwich announced this. No, um, 
PBS announced their fall 2017 lineup will be filled with Broadway shows. Um, apparently, every Friday night from October 20th through December 1st, you will see Broadway-inspired uh, programming starting on the 20th of October with last year's acclaimed Broadway revival of the musical She Loves Me, followed by the recently closed revival of Present Laughter. Then we'll get an encore production of Honestly, one of my favorite theater documentaries of all time, In the Heights, Chasing Broadway Dreams. Then we'll get, this is interesting here, James, we'll get Prince of Broadway, a tribute to Harold Prince. With that little subtitle, I am i don't think this is MTC's upcoming review that's called Prince of Broadway. They don't mention that in the press release, so I'm guessing it's something different with a potentially trademark infringing name. I don't know. So that will be interesting once we get some more details on that. And then the last two we have will be Roundabout's original Broadway production of Irving Berlin's Holiday Inn, and then finally an encore broadcast of Hamilton's America. James, what strikes me <laughs> is interesting. Obviously, the two documentaries are things that PBS originally produced. The others, uh, well, the other Broadway shows, She Loves Me, Present Laughter, uh, and Holiday Inn, are all things that were originally filmed by Broadway HD. And we've talked about Broadway HD and how they're continually trying to reinvent the wheel and find new revenue streams to make this um, profitable and sustainable. So this seems pretty interesting to me. Things that they filmed, they have on their service, um, they, they either live stream or have in their archives. They also, I guess, are licensing to PBS in some way. I think that's smart. The more ways that, that Broadway HD can, you know, figure out how to make money, the longer it'll be around. So I, I think this is great. Uh, so I quickly pulled up the PBS website, and it says, Great Performances, Prince of Broadway, a tribute to Harold Prince, Friday, November 17th, 9 to 10.30 p.m., winner of 21 Tony Awards, more than any other individual, with a career spanning more than six decades uh, producer and director Harold Prince is a li living embodiment of a Broadway's golden age with a peerless resume that includes a pajama game, Dan Yankees, West Side Story, Fiddler on the Roof, Cabaret, Company, Follies, a Little Night Music, Sweeney Todd, Evita, The Phantom of the Opera, and The Kiss of Spider-Woman. That's all it yeah. says. Yeah, uh, that's what's in the press release. It's like, come on, that's it? But they, it, it starts like, great performances, she loves me, great performances, she, present laughter, great performances in the heights chasing Broadway, Dreams, and then Prince of Broadway. So it could go either way. And then they, after it's Holiday Inn, and then Hamilton's America. So, so confusing. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure we'll find out more information there. I mean, um, I would think that if it was going to be the MTC production, that they would have mentioned that um, in the press release, because I'm yeah. assuming that that would have to be done contractually. But. Yeah. We do know that Prince of Broadway is beginning performances soon on the 3rd of, of August. And well, even though one thing that's interesting, I don't think MTC developed Prince of Broadway. I could I don't be believe wrong. So, so, I mean, it might just be being presented by MTC. I don't know. I haven't really dived deep into this. And it could actually be that the producing company you know has has let this happen hmm. you're right and by the time and it that could this be the did, japanese version 
<laughs> that would be fun. Um, th- what's interesting about that is is that uh, this is going to air on PBS, um, as you said, on uh, November 17th. By that point, the Broadway version of Prince of Broadway will have been closed because at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater, the children is scheduled to begin previews on November 28th, just 11 days later. So if this is connected to Prince of Broadway to Broadway Review, um, maybe it'll be something that we find out that Broadway HD is going to film later on, um, and then we'll kind of start to see all the puzzle pieces fitting together eventually. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's very interesting, but it. So you're telling me I don't I don't have to cancel HBO in order to get PBS now? No, no. Okay, they uh, most cable companies offer both. <laughs> yeah. On a more serious note. I, I wonder how this, you know, we talk about our friends over at Broadway HD and uh, and the other types of venues that are doing live streams that are going to be coming up uh, this summer and this fall. Uh, I wonder if uh, if this is, if we're going to see a lot more of this or how it's going to all shake out, but let it all shake out. Let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. But where are the winners? Absolutely. Where are the winners being able to see all this great, great, uh, great performances. Uh, Matt, let me take this next one, okay? Please do. I'm okay. going to sit back because this sit one back puts me and... in an awkward, awkward position. Uh, go, uh, find your lost shaker of salt. So um, in the next story, Audience View acquires Theater Mania. And as you all know, Matt works for Broadway World, which uh, is a competitor to Theater Mania. So I thought I'd take this one on my own. Uh, yesterday... Audience View, uh, a live events marketplace and software company, announced that it had purchased Theater Mania, which includes Ovation Ticks, TheaterMania.com, and the UK's uh, website, What's On Stage. The new company will look to connect even more theater goers with events around the world. Uh, this is really interesting um, as, you know, uh, one of the major uh, websites out there, of course, you know, Broadway World, Playbill, Theater Mania, and Broadway.com, the, the four major uh, Broadway websites that are out there, uh, for any of them to have a dramatic change in, uh, in ownership is something. When uh, Theater Mania bought What's On Stage, it really shook up the West End market. Uh, tremendously when that had happened and there was uh, turnover in staff and things like that. So we're going to have to keep our eye on Theater Mania and see how it keeps going. And so many off-Broadway regional and uh, mm-hmm. other theaters around the nation depend on depend so heavily upon Ovation Ticks. Uh, that's it's really critical. And uh, we'll have to see if Audience View is gonna do you know what's the company that owns uh broadway.com john what company john something company uh, uh, they just bought it, it. You know, in the last yeah. year i don't i don't remember the name uh, you know broadway across america and things like that and they they put a ton of money into broadway.com built new studios things like that so hopefully the same sort of upgrades coming for theater mania and we'll hopefully uh mm. see good things happen there <laughs> i mean maybe i mean i wonder if we know anybody who knows anything about restructuring and the evolution of theater mania hmm who would that be uh, i don't know maybe maybe we can find somebody to talk to on sunday hmm that's a good idea let me put that in my thinking quill all right so uh next up uzo aduba aduba 
Aduba. Uzo Aduba. I was going to say yes. Aduba, but then I got I got afraid because it had you a little me. red underline on my screen. <laughs> so Uzo Aduba to lead the secret life of bees workshop. Yeah, James, this is something that, again, we've talked about this before because it is part of the Vassar and New York stage and film powerhouse season. Mm. Feels like they just keep releasing more and more information. Um, yes, Uzo Aduba, who's an Emmy winner for Orange is the New Black, also appeared on Broadway in Godspell and was in uh, The Wiz Live. She's going to headline the upcoming reading of a musical adaptation of The Secret Life of Bees. Um, it, this is one of those that was based on one of those acclaimed films um, and, and is going to get a musical treatment. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. The The book is is being written by two-time Pulitzer Prize winner Lynn Nottage, and the music is by Tony Award winner Duncan Sheik, with lyrics by Tony and Drama Desk nominee Susan Burkhead. The direction comes from Sam Gold, who, depending on whether or not you read Michael Riedel's column, he's either a hack or a genius. Um, so, uh, so this is really exciting. Joining Uzo in the cast um, are Sophia Ann Caruso, Keisha Lewis, um, uh, Aisa Davis, uh, and and Ben Davis, who I believe I saw in uh, uh, The Sound of Music. I think that's correct. Uh, I'm not. A, I, I want to say I saw him in The Sound of Music. I could be completely wrong, but. Um, yeah, either way. So uh, so this is good. If you're not familiar with The Secret Life of Bees, it's set in South Carolina in 1964, and the story follows Lily Owens, a 14-year-old girl who is haunted by the memory of her late mother. To escape her lonely life and troubled relationship with her father, T-Ray, Lily flees with Rosalind, her caregiver and friend, to a South Carolina town that holds the secret to her mother's past. Taken in by the intelligent and independent Boatwright sisters, Lily finds solace in her mesmerizing world of beekeeping. So the production or the readings of this will be open to the public on July 27th, 28th, 29th, and July 30th. They actually had to add an extra Sunday matinee due to popular demand. So, James, when you start getting these these types of writers, Lynn Nottage, Duncan Sheik, Susan Burkhead, you start attaching someone like Uzo Aduba to this. And you know it's at the powerhouse season. There's a pretty good chance that this won't be the last time that we ever see the musical version of Secret Life of Bees. That's exciting because I'm not going to be able to get to this workshop. So I hope that we do see it again. That's really great. And uh, Entertainment Weekly covering theater. How about that? Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Orfe and Andy Carl to release Legally Bound album in August. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to trip up and say Legally Blonde because I have typed this three or four times today. Are you kidding me? I almost, I almost said Oprah and Andy Carl. <laughs> I, was, I didn't even make it to album from. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't uh, even make it to Legally Bound. Forget I, the first word, Oprah and Andy Carl. Well, we, you know, <laughs> we did we did the Uma Oprah joke uh, about ten times on our first few runs through yeah. the show today. Uh, but yes, uh, yesterday it was announced. It was originally teased by our uh, uh, by our good friend Orfe on Twitter a week or so ago. But on August 18th, Broadway Records will release Legally Bound live at Fine Science 54 Below, which is a live recording of the uh, concert at 54 Below starring the great uh, married Broadway couple Orfe and Andy Carl. Um, if you've kind of been following all the press that Andy Carl did for Groundhog Day around the Tony season, you know that this couple met um, when they were both doing Saturday Night Fever on Broadway. Then their 
the relationship kind of became one of those things that everybody knew about because they co-starred opposite each other in Legally Blonde. Um, and then Andy Carl has since gone on to receive three Tony nominations in Rocky on the 20th Century and Groundhog Day um, and Orfei. As we've talked about fairly recently, it has been one of the stars of the readings of the Pretty Woman musical uh, as well. Uh, you know, I, everyone knows how great Andy Carl is, but I think a lot of people forget just how incredible Orfei is because she hasn't been on Broadway in a while. She has just an insane voice. So I'm really, really excited to hear this. This is one of those um, albums that Broadway Records does with their Live 54 Below series. And I have loved um, pretty much all of them. So I'm really excited to see what these two are like on stage together as themselves, as opposed to characters. Yeah, that's a really incredibly talented couple. And uh, I'm excited. Broadway Records uh, keeps bringing it on, which is great for everybody. Uh, and speaking of Broadway Records and cast recordings, uh, Jesse Green from the New York Times breaks down the best and the worst of this season's Broadway cast albums. But I'll, I'll take exception with this season. Uh, okay. Well, or last season. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll get into that. But this is a really detailed article uh, that Jesse Green did. Um, he not only talks about which uh, cast albums are better um, on stage or better on recording, but he also includes Spotify links to songs and, and embedded players so you can play them there. And he kind of explains why he thinks some things were better as their show, uh, you know, better performances of the, in the show and some are better on recording. It's really, really detailed. He's got all of the musicals that have released an album from this past season, the one that just ended uh, at the Tony Awards. Um, I, I think it's kind of interesting that he's got um, – quite a few more that are better on stage than he does that are better on recording. So I think he's kind of throwing a little bit of shade at the cast recordings, but I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> it's a great article. We'll have uh, links to that in the show notes. And um, I guess that's my cue. We got to get out of here. So <laughs> Thunder and lightning and everything. Thunder and lightning, frogs, things like that. All right. So why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Matt, and subscribe to something like a pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on iTunes because we've been recording this episode now for well over an hour, and we deserve it, damn it. <laughs> and my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. I have to go build an arc, and I hope it has Wi-Fi. So uh, Matt and I will be back and talk with you on Friday morning a little bit later than normal. But we will be there, so catch us then. 